0: All right. Let me turn to your neighbor and tell him, uh, I love the presence of the Lord. Tell him in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there's a there's a lot of fear, too. Like the fear of the Lord type of fear, man. God's God's in this place right now. I feel like uh, feel like Jacob when he saw that vision of angels descending and ascending upon a stairway to heaven. What looked like a a ladder extending all the way to heaven. And after he woke up, he said, God is in this place. I did not know it. God is here in this place. This is his house. This is his Bethel. Hallelujah. Uh, we had a wonderful time last weekend with Pastor Robert Daniels, my spiritual grandfather. he was visiting here at new philly, and man, can I just say you guys really um, you guys really honored him, and i didn 't ask of you guys to do that. I didn't mention that, but it was quite amazing that we just, at Sunday Swim, when I introduced him, we had this moment where just everyone just celebrated him and honored him. You know how important that was for him? You know, as a man that's been faithful for all these years, but never really recognized, people just pass him by, people don't see the treasure that he's holding inside. For him to come here be honored that way, it was so special for him. And then when he got introduced here during the service, we had round two. <laughs> more honor. Uh, he was really blessed. You don't understand how much that blessed him. Um, and then on top of that, Pastor Aaron uh, well, Pastor Benjamin came up and I and it was so funny because I didn't plan to do that, but Pastor Benjamin said that he was sitting there and he was like, "Oh, I want to introduce him so bad." You know, and he didn't say anything to me. But when I came up, I knew the word of the Lord was uh, let Pastor Benjamin introduce him. And Pastor Benjamin came up, introduced him. Uh, but before even all that, Pastor Aaron came up and prophesied and, and just brought him into the next chapter of his life. That was powerful. I was like, Who are you? Is this my wife? It's crazy. Prophesy all these crazy things. Well it was powerful. Pastor Daniels bore witness. Pastor Sonny, Pastor Benjamin bore witness. I mean, they were so they were so blessed. So when Pastor Daniels took the mic and he started preaching and he said, You guys, you guys blessed the uh, you guys honored the socks off of a man or something like that. <laughs> like he really meant it. He was just so blessed. And what I'm what I've noticed, God highlighting. Uh, between three of us when we meet and we, we talk and we pray together, is uh, they, they were talking about how sons are bringing out the best in them. Uh, meaning that, you know, of course, naturally the father, a spiritual father, pours into a spiritual son, teaches him, gives him words of wisdom, words of teaching, doctrine, prophecy, builds that man up. But what they've also noticed throughout the year is that sons is bringing out the best in them as a father. It's, it's the, their son's their sonship is causing them to be a better son. And one thing you've got to understand about being a father, a spiritual father in the body of Christ, if you really want to father the fatherless here, you father the fatherless by being a good son. When you're a good and mature son, you're a good spiritual father. If you just want to aim to be a spiritual father and just like let me skip all the steps of sonship, that's not for me. I just need to be in a place of leadership. I need to uh, influence people, whatever. And you skip those steps, you're not going to last very long as a, as a spiritual leader in the, in, the, in the kingdom. It all comes to sonship. And so they were talking about this theme, and Pastor Benjamin was like, yeah, you know, Christian's been bringing out all these different... Uh, he's been just bringing me into increase. And then... Uh, He was sharing how Pastor Daniel shared that that's what he's experiencing with Pastor Benjamin. And then I thought about this concept and I realized you guys are amazing sons and daughters here. Really are. Because I'm a pretty good father, I think. But man, y'all, y'all, you bring me, you carry me to a whole nother level. Yeah. The way you guys honor me, the way you guys relate to me as sons, it's amazing. Yeah. What was it, Jerry Maguire, where he says, you make me want to be, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, as good as it gets, where Jack Nicholson says to uh, Helen Hunt at the end of the movie, you make me want to be a better man, yeah. you know, that's it right there. Your sonship makes me want to be a better spiritual father. And it's just so amazing, this mutual edification that that God is using to take us from glory to glory. It's just so powerful. And it's so powerful that it's true not just here, but it's true between me and Pastor Benjamin. It's also true between Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Robert Daniels. But not only that, when Pastor Daniels came, it was true of Pastor Daniels to you guys and you guys to him. Man, we, we, we have stumbled upon an awesome lineage. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want any other spiritual mentor in my life right now than Pastor Benjamin Sunny. I don't care if it's Che John or not. Bill Johnson, Bill Johnson said, I want to be your spiritual father. I'd be like, no, no, thank you. (laughs) Man, we we have stumbled upon an awesome lineage. And uh, it is so rich. You know what I mean? You know, an inheritance is not worth contending for. It's not worth possessing when the inheritance in the natural is broke. Usually broke people don't leave an inheritance. They leave a bill. You know what I mean? Some of, some of us, you know, our families are so broke, you know, you don't want your, your, your parents to to, to to suddenly die or something because they're leaving you with a big old bill, medical bill, you know, student no, not student loan bill, but that's your bill. But, you know, the lineage that we're part of, man, it's so wealthy. Like, in the spirit, it is so rich. So amazing. I'm just so thankful to God who made all this possible. He's connected all this together. But I do want to say that you guys bring out the best of me. All the visitors, I'm sorry. It's family talk for a second. Man, you guys really do bring out the best of me. And uh, you, guys are, you guys are pretty amazing. You know, a lot of times I get the mic. But, you know, when I, when I kind of recall your testimonies or observe in hindsight how God has transformed you in two, three years... It's amazing. (laughs) And even uh, watching the Busan church plant social media campaign, we've had all our active, like 50, 60 active leaders. Uh, They've all taken pictures of themselves with a sign that says New Philly Busan 2012 because we're doing a church plant next year in the city of Busan. And so they took a picture and made it their profile picture and so, you know, there's all these people, you look on their news feed, and all these people have New Philly Pusan as a little sign. And even the way you guys made those signs, the creativity was amazing. Some of it annoyed me. Because <laughs> I was like, follow my instruction. But the other ones were so good, I was like, I'm glad you didn't follow my instruction. That's good. I mean, there's, there's some amazing people in this room. Really, really, you guys are really amazing, and it, it is an honor and a privilege to uh, to shepherd this house really is, really is I, I think it's just so beautiful. I don't think it's that I've found a whole bunch of people that are amazing. you know what's happening is it was already in you, and through teaching, through preaching through the relationship, I'm just drawing it out. I'm just helping you to line up your behavior, your thoughts, your life to the spiritual DNA that Christ has put inside of you. And as you guys come into who you really are, man, you guys are some amazing people. So God bless you guys. All right, I got 25 minutes. Let me try to f- f- preach my message. Thank you. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I preached, uh, I was introduced to the theme for the new year. I didn't get to really go into it because I got caught up on the theme of our commitment to the city. I emphasized that we are a church whose vision is to reach the city. Uh, There are churches that have other visions, but our church, our commitment is to mega-metropolis cities and not to abandon them like typical churches do, but to be in them, infiltrate them, disciple the people in those cities, and begin to shift the the culture, to shift the environment of the entire city. And and when you influence certain cities, it will influence the entire nation. And so I told you all, for the commuters, God bless you. you know, if That's what you got to do. Do what you got to do. But for those who are able, if you work in the city or you're already currently living in the city, don't for one moment think about moving to Bundang or moving to Irsan or moving somewhere where you, where you think, well, oh, I can get a bigger place over there. I can save money on rent. Right? Don't do that to yourself. You're robbing yourself of your inheritance. Your inheritance is right here in the city. I don't care how expensive it is for you to live here. God will provide. You know, sometimes corporate executives have more faith than we do. Because they're they're staying in the city no matter what. You know, because they don't want to give up that, that place of influence. Artists that are flat broke living in little tiny closets. They have more faith sometimes to stay in the city than people of God do. Whether your financial ability allows you to get a little closet or get a bigger place. In my eyes, that's not where you're going to stay. So if, you got, if, you, if you're an artist, you're not making much money yet, but you got to get a little place. You can get a little place in the city or you can get a big place in, in, out there in Gyeonggi-do somewhere. All right? Stay in the little place. Because the little place is actually going to take you to bigger places. Don't waste two, three hours a day on your commute in a week. That's 15 hours in a month. That's like 60, 70 hours. 60, 70 hours a month you spend it commuting from your suburb to your city. Don't do that to yourself. You know, I just want to share a praise report. And this is a big, delightful one for me. And let me get a little more mic. This is a delightful testimony for me because uh, a few weeks ago, our sister Jen Kim, who is on the Busan Church Plant team, she had a job offer from a good graphic design firm down there. And she had taken the job. And then when things came to talking about... uh, Different contracts and different terms of the contract. You know, things started getting a little bit shady. So she didn't like that. And so she just kind of voiced her concern. And then the guy was like, well, I don't know if I want to offer you this job anymore. And so we had to be discerning there. Was, was Jen just to humble herself and just to stay because that's the job God given her? Or was God actually exposing something that will... That will give her a lot of heartache. And so it's actually better for her to let that job go. Now, there's no method to find that answer. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. So when Jen came and she shared that story with me, I looked at her and I said, you know what? Let this job go. God's going to give you another job. Better one. This boss acting up like this right now, he's going to be acting up all year when you work for him. Go look for another job. And at that time, it's only about a month and a half away from moving down to Busan. She wants to ha- sign an apartment, you know. She felt very uncomfortable about letting that job offer go. What if I let this go and I, not, I can't find another job? You know, the rest of the Busan church plant team, they've been interviewing for jobs. And uh, even our sister Kelly, who is uh, who's black, you know, she gets through to the final phase. And then they, they, oh, the Korean companies always want a comp, like a picture. So when she sends her photo, some of these uh, schools and hagwons down there, I guess they're racist. They see her picture and then they say no. So the whole team's been struggling to find jobs. So you know, Jen seeing that, and so she feels very uncomfortable about letting go. I just looked at her. I said, just you just let it go. Don't even worry about it. Tell that man to go find somebody else. So she said, you know what? Yeah. And she felt peace about it. So that's what she did. And I, and I kept speaking to her. God's going to provide you with another job. Better one. Right? And yesterday, she interviewed at another design company. She didn't even seek it out. They sought her out. Saw her resume. Called her up. Did an hour and a half interview. With a three-panel board. And on that spot, they decided to hire her. Now, she's actually going to begin with a three-month internship, and then she's gonna, they're going to negotiate a full-time salary. I think that's actually a better situation. Because during that time, she can just be herself, and then they can realize just how valuable she is. And give her a fat payroll. <laughs> so, yeah, she actually also signed for a beautiful apartment down there. Uh, and so, you know, she's ready and set. Now, I really wanted Jen to get settled down, besides Mina and Caleb, because she's the only Korean native on that team. And it's very important for her uh, to play that uh, role as a Korean native and to communicate and to help. Uh, logistics of different things on the team. So it's really important she got settled down. So I'm telling you, right in the rest of Busan Church Plant, keep going after those job interviews. Keep trusting the Lord. Let me tell you right now. It's not my prophetic word. It's one of the sons. He gave this prophetic word. Busan Church Plant, the Busan Church Plant is... New Philly's Jordan River right now. In the, in the Bible, what separated the Israelites, when the second generation of Israelites, they came out of the wilderness, and God was ready to take them into the promised land, there was a one physical barrier. And that barrier was a river called the Jordan River. So that river was big. Like, talk about the Ham River here. It's probably, I don't know if it's bigger, but you know it's, it's a big river. It's not like a little tiny creek. You know, imagine the Ham River... Getting stopped up a mile away. That'd be crazy. The parting of the Red Sea is like crazier. But still, a river of that size getting stopped up is pretty crazy. Uh, and that's what the Lord did for the Israelites. He stopped up the Jordan River and they crossed over on dry ground into the Promised Land. And that's when all the action started to take place because they started to possess all these cities, drive out all these peoples. Go again. It was a a picture of a spiritual warfare. You know, when you want to start to advance God's kingdom, you have to go and possess territories that are currently occupied. Jesus said you can't go into a strong man's house and rob him without first tying him up. You try try doing that in the natural, you get yourself killed, (laughs) as Pastor Daniels would say. (laughs) Foolishness will kill you. So Jesus said, "You got to tie that man up." Anyway, Busan Church plan is our Jordan River, and, and to the team, I'm telling you right now, God's taking you in. God's taking the entire church into our promised land at this hour. And just as there was a Caleb in that group, we have a we have a Caleb. That's providing leadership yeah. as a team crosses that Jordan River. But yeah, I'm telling you right now, Busan, the city of Busan is going to be more strategic than we think right now. All right? It's going, to, it's going to become a hub for which all kinds of missions work, ministry work is going to be done. Uh, Busan is going to be very strategic. So God's given us the promised land. Amen. And we are getting the promised land right now. I'm telling you right now. Ooh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So 2008 was the year that the Lord graciously opened the door for me to take over as the lead pastor. And the theme of the year was from Isaiah 43:19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And the theme of the year was the year of new things. 2009 was the year of open doors. Out of Revelation 3.8, I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door that no man can shut. You know, what happened in 2009? God opened up all kinds of doors. And God is promising us that nobody can shut those doors. What God has started here in this house, He will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There will be no man that can shut the doors. Even if one of, y- one of y'all or ten of you in here just decided to conspire and stop the move of God here in this house, save yourself the trouble. You will not succeed because there are doors that got opened in that year that no man can shut. 2010, the theme was the year of epic faith. I tell you, man, 2010 was tough. It was a busy year. We had a lot of ministry events, Niagara Conference. And it was a year which God really stretched us. He tested us. He stretched us. In that process, He really increased our faith. He really uh, increased our expectation to dream bigger. And 2011, this year, has been the year of intimacy. God has laid down certain structure. And then he said, now, focus on liking each other. Focus on getting deeper with me. Deeper with each other. You know, our church name is called New Philadelphia. And I don't know if you know what the Greek word Philadelphia means. I know because I grew up in the city of Philadelphia. And the irony was, we didn't live up to our name very well. But Philadelphia means phileo, which means a type of love. And, you know, a phileo love is not necessarily less than agape love, by the way. You know, we need to learn how to phileo love each other. Now, in the English word love is just one word, but in the Greek there's three words. There's eros, phileo, and agape. Anyway, Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. And so in this year of intimacy, God has been showing us how to love each other like brothers and sisters, as a family. That's why the theme of sonship has made such a a powerful path for these types of relationships to be nurtured and grow. Because there's a family atmosphere here. It's powerful. I've never been part of a church like this. That's powerful. Man, I'm so... Happy to be a part of this. And I explained two weeks ago that the Lord put it on my heart on October the 11th that 2012 will be the year of increase. Jeremiah 29 verses 5 through 7. Why don't you turn there with me? Jeremiah 29 verses 5 through 7. Jeremiah 29, verse 5-7. Word of the Lord says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In the English uh, language of our culture welfare is a very uh low word so I, I feel like the esv made some poor choices in using the word welfare it doesn't you know when we think of welfare what do we think of food stamps unemployment welfare checks you know that's man the esv man what are they doing here right but that welfare english word doesn't really sum up uh the word that is there in the hebrew and so the niv actually uses the word prosperity Pray for its prosperity, for in its prosperity, you will find your prosperity. And I I think that's a much more meaningful translation of what the Lord was speaking to the people of Israel here in this passage. Uh, If you look in verse 6, it says, Bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. In the NIV, it actually says, increase and do not decrease. Increase there and do not decrease. And I just felt like when I was reading that passage, the Lord said, this is the word for your house at this hour. And I believe that's why I read, I, I preached that word. God wants to pros- prosper you, right? Was it, was it, was it the title? Obligation to prosper. Yeah, it's much more powerful. Hallelujah. I love coming up with titles for sermons. I'm really good at it. No, really. We, we've been averaging uh, 800 to 1,500 downloads of our, of our MP3 Sunday services. Uh, just one week after our, our MP3s go up, it gets downloaded up to 1,000 times. So, yeah, a lot of people are listening. God bless you guys who are listening. Do you think I'm good at making titles for sermons? <laughs> well, I think I am. I'll make it memorable for you. Obligation to prosper. I feel like the Lord gave me that word to set up our hearts. That increase is not an option. Increase is not a privilege. For the people of God, increase prosperity is an obligation. When God gives you something to steward, when He puts something in C form inside of you, He expects it to grow. In the parable of the talents, in the parable, and all these different minas, right? When He gives and entrusts the talent, which is the sum of money, or the mina, which is a different sum of money, when He entrusted that money in the parable, that master expected a return. And the third servant in both parables said, well, you know, I, 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 I was afraid that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to do anything with it. So I buried it. Here it is, master, the money you originally gave me. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. You know what I mean? In our minds, we think if we did that, you know, Lord, you know, it's really tough down here. It's a sinful world. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that I'm saved. And then you get to heaven and then you're like, Lord, I'm so glad I'm here. Thank you for your grace. I'm here. And the Lord is like, what do you do with all the talent I gave you? With all the time I gave you? All the relationships I gave you? All the teaching I gave you? What'd you do with my words? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, remember, I remember that. I got it right here. There you go, Lord. I didn't lose none of this it. right here. Man, that will not be an oh happy day for such people. <laughs> Increase for God's people is an obligation. And uh, Jason Ma had prophesied for the wider body of Christ. He said that 2010 was a year of testing. 2011 is a year of transition. And that 2012 is the year of completion. Because the number 12... Biblically, represents completion. There are 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 apostles that Jesus chose originally. And Jesus told the apostles, he said, there will come a day you will sit on the 12 thrones of Israel and you will judge the tribes of Israel. Right? 12 represents government. And I believe that our church, we've been so connected with the calendar of heaven. This is exactly what we've been experiencing. Along with the bigger, wider body of Christ. We've been experiencing testing. We've experienced a transition. And I believe we're coming into the time of completion. 2012, there's a completion to what God has done over these last three years. Three, four years. And with that I'm not saying like we're not going to grow or mature anymore or, you know. I'm just saying that what, what he's wanting to establish for this house, it's a whole piece now. It's a complete foundation on which it's going to grow vertically and horizontally. So increase coming. All right, so let me talk about the theme of increase Oh man, I got I got all this revelation I got to share with the core. Some powerful revelation I was getting. It's crazy revelation. <sighs> man, God was messing me up today. All right, um three ways in which God will bring increase. I hope I can preach this in 10 minutes. Here we go. Three ways God's going to bring increase in the house. Number 1, turn to 1st Thessalonians 3:12. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. See, I'm trying to discern right now what I need to share with the core and what I'm supposed to share with you. There's things that I can only share with the core, and there's things that I cannot share with you yet. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm like going crazy right now. But God's, man, God is, He is speaking very powerfully to our house. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. It says... We exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Wait, I'm sorry, 312. That's 212. I was just testing you. 312. My birthday. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. May the Lord make you increase and abound in what? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, "I I love you. I love you. So the first point I want to make is that in the year of increase, the intimacy does not end. The intimacy is going to another level. Because one thing that God will increase in this house, he's going to make the love abound here. There's going to be increase in love here in this house. And by the way, every annual theme that we have, I believe that it's not, there's no expiration date to that revelation, that truth. He, he highlights it. Then he's, he says, this one's yours. Put it in your pocket. Let me give you a new one. Let me highlight a new truth. Let me highlight a new theme. So I'm telling you right now, intimacy, God's not done with intimacy. And one aspect, of, the first aspect of increase for the year will be the increase of love. Yeah, I'm going to move on. Okay, I don't have time. Number 3, number 2. And so, you know, you guys, hallelujah. Number 2, Acts chapter 2, 12 verse 24. Acts chapter 12 verse 24. 12:24. 12, 12:24. 24. 12, 24. The second thing that God's going to increase. It says, "But the word of God Increased and multiplied. Yes. The second thing God's going to increase in this house in the new year, there's going to be increase of the word of God. Yes. Now, we can't, we can't add to this word, by the way. So I'm not talking about some heresy about adding to the Bible. I mean, increase the Bible. We're going to increase the Bible in 2012. <laughs> Please fire me if I ever say that. Not that y'all have the power to fire me, but, you know, suggest it. I don't know. But, but what we can do is, in this word, there it goes deep. Yeah. There is a wealth, there is a treasure that is there. But you know what? Not everybody finds it. Right. In fact, God would even harden or close your ears and eyes to those who only look for it on the surface. Like Pastor Daniel said, God doesn't put precious things just laying on the street for some knucklehead to go and pick up. Some fool to just go and and find it. Now God hides these precious truths in Revelation. And so there's going to be increase in the word of God. As we go deeper into the word, the teaching of this house, the preaching of this house, the Bible studies, the discipleship. I believe in 2012, God's going to give you a special grace and ability to read lots of books. Because some of y'all need to read. (laughs) The only time you read is when I make you do it through a leadership training or something like that. That's that's just not right. We all need to read more. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to elevate the Western culture. I'm just saying that Western culture does understand that with education does come a, a certain level of influence and power. And we need to understand that there is, a, there is a wealth of teaching, revelation. And by the way, one of the ama- most powerful things you can do for yourself, what I found out there in my seminary studies, is study the philosophers in history. You know, one of the, some of the most influential people in the world, they're liberal arts majors. Because in a liberal, traditional liberal arts education, you have to study all the philosophers, When you study all those philosophers, you understand not only the what, but the why of why certain decisions were made in history and why certain leaders did the things they did. Why church theologians, by the way, Christian theologians have been heavily influenced by Greek philosophers, by all kinds of Western philosophers in the modern age, pre-modern age. All those philosophers had a great influence on Christian theologians. So when you study theology, you can't just look at it and go, oh, well, John Calvin said it, so let me just accept it. Or Aquinas said it, and he was a church authority father figure, so let me just accept it. No, you've got to understand the philosophical presuppositions of these theologians. Who influenced them? Was Was he influenced more by Aristotle or by Plato? And if he was, of those presuppositions, which of those presuppositions are actually biblical? Some of them are even anti-biblical. Now, is that a word? Unbiblical. Un-biblical. <laughs> no, but anti-biblical is more powerful what I'm trying to get at. I'm going to let that one go. All right. Increasing the word. Uh, and by the way, uh, I'm, I'm going to extend the sermon by five minutes right now. Uh, one of the most powerful things that you get in the Concept of inheritance. You know, we talk about these concepts sonship, spiritual fatherhood, you know, all this, spiritual household, family. These are all biblical concepts, by the way. Now, first Peter talks about God's building up a spiritual house. A spiritual family. You are members of the household of God, the yeah. apostle Paul said. So these are these are biblical concepts. And in that concept, there's a concept, just like there is in the natural, in the spirit realm, there's a concept of inheritance. And one of the practical applications of you receiving your inheritance is you receiving the words of your father. That's why we emphasize in the leadership training, we ask all the new recruits to go back and listen to five or ten sermons that I've preached. One thing you would notice about Pastor Christian is Pastor Christian doesn't like to repeat himself. So I really don't like doing the same sermon that I've already preached. So if you come up to me and you're like asking me all these questions, and I can clearly see that your mindset is more of the world than it is of the word, then what I'll tell you is, instead of saying I'm going to preach a message on that next week, I'll say go listen to my podcast. There's a message on the goodness of the Lord. There's a message on this and that, right? And I'll point them to there because I don't like to, I don't like to uh, repeat myself. And one aspect of inheritance is you get the words of your father whether there's words of teaching words of wisdom words of prophecy words of doctrine when you get those words you get your inheritance but you know what a lot of people do they're more like Esau they despise their inheritance you know when you get born again into the kingdom of God you have a birthright and that birthright is to get the words of God. To get the word of the Lord in you, to live it. The word of God is living and active. It should be living and active in his sons and daughters. But what a lot of people do is they despise that birthright. And they despise the inheritance and they end up forfeiting the inheritance. Just like Esau. In the Bible story of Esau and Jacob, you know what, you know what happened? Esau was this hairy dude, right? Kind of like John Neufeld. He was like real hairy. But not, not of the character and spirit of John Newfield. Esau was a wicked man. And, uh, this guy comes in from hunting and he's all like, oh, I'm so tired. Give me some of that stew, Jacob. I love that stew you be making. You know, and Jacob was more like, uh, a little bit more homely, maybe a little more feminine. Maybe not, I don't know. But he was, he was more like a mama's boy, right? And so he, he's like, all right, well, I'll give you some of this stew but promise to me you'll sell me your birthright. I'll give you the stew, you give me your birthright. And you know what Esau said? He said, man, I'm so hungry. Man, what, what is my birthright to me? Man, you need to have it. And Jacob, because he treasured their inheritance, he saw something on his father Isaac that he wanted. That he knew that it wasn't just there by man, it was there by God. And so even though his method was wrong, he, he was a deceiver, but his heart was in the right. He was aiming for the right thing. He, he went and got his inheritance. And so when he tricked later on Esau and he wore all this like hair on his hand, because he was he was more um, Asian. He was he didn't have no hair on his body. <laughs> and so he put all this hair on his body. He faked out his, his father, Isaac, and Isaac favored Esau for whatever reason. So he was like, oh, is this you Esau? And Jacob's like, yes, this is Esau. And Isaac's like, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. Come here, son, let me bless you. And so Jacob gets the blessing. He he takes this inheritance, and nothing happened in the physical realm, by the way. But Jacob treasured that inheritance. And that's what we need to do in the church. We need to not allow our inheritance to be so easily forfeited for bowls stew. You know, you sit down, oh, uh, and let me let me listen to uh, five sermons this week that I I didn't get this past year. Let me get the let me get the words of my father. Let me get my inheritance. And you sit down, and then Doug calls up and he's like, Hey, hey yo yo let's. Let's go play some tennis. And you're like, all right, hallelujah. And you go play tennis. And then you come back and you don't, you don't, you don't even remember about the sermon. And then you get reminded. you know, All right, let me, let me listen to these. Let me get my inheritance. And then somebody comes and says, hey, let's watch a movie. And you're like, yeah, a movie. Let me go watch a movie. Right? And what I'm trying to say is, us young people in the church... They easily forfeit their inheritance. Because they despise it like Esau. But what you need what I want to encourage you to do, if you want to see increase of the word of God in this house and in your own life, you have got to cherish their inheritance. You know, I find myself despising their inheritance as well. Because where does my inheritance come from? A lot of times it comes from my interaction with Pastor Benjamin. And sometimes I just want to eat chicken. I just want to eat and just laugh and make jokes but i'm telling you right now man god doesn't allow that because pastor benjamin doesn't have a particular agenda let me teach him this 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 while we eat fried chicken and pancakes pastor Benjamin's not thinking that he's just like let me get some pancakes well when he sits down and we start spending time together we start eating that chicken pastor benjamin starts just teaching wisdom revelation so i'm just oh, I'm not. all right go ahead pops I gotta record and, and left and right. It happens all like every place we go. You know, we go to the restroom and you know, and he just like teaching me. Uh, that never happened. I'm sorry, that was that was offensive. That was very offensive. My mother-in-law is here. I'm sorry, honey. I hope that was a bad example. Um but anyway. He he just teaching me everywhere. And so because it happens all the time. I have this tendency to despise it. Like, just forget about it. Oh, that's just Pastor Benjamin being Pastor Benjamin. Ah, it just sounds like similar things he said before. Ah, uh, that was nice, but uh, I don't want to write it down. I'm too lazy. I'd rather be on Facebook. You know, and, and not that Facebook's always evil, but, you know, a lot of times I, I do surf it selfishly at times as well. And, uh, and then he'll post up a blog. What is that? That's my inheritance. I need to go read that blog. But what do I do? I put it off. Let me read um, Bill Johnson. Let me read uh, CNN. Let me read uh, you know whatever, right? And then and then it's like two months pass by. I still haven't read that blog entry. And then I read it, and I wow, rush, whoa, I get so blessed. And I, I I thinking, man, if I read this a month ago. I would have been so much better off. I need to stop despising my inheritance. And then here's, here's Pastor Benjamin has really been testing me these days. Not on purpose, but God has been testing me through him. He has, he's been setting up this, um, well, he has this uh, podcast. It wasn't working, right? And so finally, I, I got to sit down with him on this trip and I fixed the podcast. So I'll refer you guys to it so that you guys can get, get that download because it's part of our lineage. It's all part of the package. You can get that inheritance through his preaching as well. But um, he started this morning and evening prayer meeting. And he does it almost every day. And he does it on Ustream. And so, you know, like we do in K1, we stream the, uh, the prayer and praise time. He streams himself just on the video, just praying and leading people in prayer and sharing revelation after revelation that he gets right there on the spot. And lasts for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. All right? And he told me about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> right? It took me maybe two weeks to realize that my reaction reflected an Esau rather than Jacob. It wasn't like, really? Let me get on it. What, what you been talking about? What did I miss? It was like, whoa, that's a long time. You've been on that. You do it morning and evening? <laughs> Man, that's been, how many people have been tuning in? That's what I asked him. <laughs> How many people have been streaming it? He's like, Yes, yeah, about like 12, 15 people just joining me in prayer. Just join, you know, and it's hard for me because we're in a different time zone. So I'm just saying, like, yeah, time zone, you know, you know, Pastor Benjamin. <laughs> I'll join you uh, this one time, but you know, yes, and you know, I, I gotta admit, man, my flesh is more like Esau. And I have to learn to resist that and cherish my inheritance. Because in that inheritance there is a limitless blessing. You know, I can as a as a pastor, I can give everybody in here. If I had like a billion dollars, I can distribute that among the 200 of y'all, and y'all would have a lot of money. But here's the thing: here's the thing. One third of y'all that are like more new and not really uh, not really part of the house yet, you're not really joined the family yet, and you haven't really been taught very well. You're gonna take the money I gave you, and you're gonna squander it like the prodigal son. A lot of you, if if you haven't gotten good wisdom, you'll probably just go squander it. The other third, they might like try to invest it, but they end up going and spending it at the mall or something, going to Times Square Mall and G Market and whatever, You just spend it all. And another third, you might invest it, and, and it might do well, but you know some of you would. Do well some of you anyway what i'm saying is if i gave you physical money as your inheritance it will bless you but it won't bless you for very long depending on how you use it but if i give you words that are coming as a re- re- revelation through the filling of the holy spirit if i'm giving you wisdom and words there is no limit to what you can do with your life There's no limit to what will happen. I can give you money, but that's not going to bless your relationship with your family. It's not going to make you a better husband. It's not going to make you a better father. I'll give you a whole bunch of money. It's not going to heal somebody that you love that has cancer. But if I give you the words, it is boundless what God can do in your life. It is a precious inheritance. One that should never be forfeited for a bowl of stew. Nothing for the work of the flesh. And as we have this attitude of a son, I'm telling you right now, in 2012, the word of God is going to increase in your lives. And third, I'm sorry for breaking my promise. One more minute. Let me try to get this one minute, 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 minute. Hallelujah. Oh, uh, no, this is not a one minute point. Should I just do it quick? Third is, comes out Jeremiah 29, 6, the theme verse that I, I quoted. Uh, in the NIV, it actually doesn't just say increase there and do not decrease. It actually says increase in number there and do not decrease in the NIV. Increase in number there and do not decrease. The third way that New Philly is going to increase in the new year is we're going to increase in numbers. Look toward your neighbor and say, we're going to increase in numbers. Can I tell you something about the world's population? In 1804, the population of the world was 1 billion. In 1927, it took 123 years for it to double the 2 billion. And then it took only 33 years to double, uh, to, to uh to go to 3 billion. 1974 it went to 4 billion. To make a long story short. 1974 to 2012. How many years is that? Anyway man. It's, it's blown up. We are at 7 billion people. It's 2012. We are at 7 billion people. 1804 we are only at 1 billion. What I'm trying to say is. The world is increasing in numbers. And we as Christians, a lot of times we think, oh, man, there's more people to evangelize. (laughs) And we get disheartened by that. Where is the faith? When I see the world population blowing up like that, I'm thinking glory. Hallelujah. That means bigger revival services. That means a greater harvest. That means a greater glory for our God. That we'll have way more people in love with God on the earth than there is in heaven. And God, Jesus is going to be like, I need to get down there. So there's so many people that love me down there. Let me come. Hallelujah. Here I am. I'm Jesus. And the world, the last days are upon us. Anyway, that's my little theory. So what I'm trying to say is, if the world's population is increasing... And economists understand that that's an opportunity. Why is the church missing that opportunity? The world's increasing in numbers. The church ought to be increasing in numbers as well. And so I'm telling you right now, there are megachurches all over the world. A lot of them are spirit-filled. Megachurches happen all over the world. And there are some people, I remember... When I first started pastoring three, four years ago, there was a a handful of people that came up to me. And they were like, I don't know if I want to pray into some of these things you're asking. It's like, what do you mean? You're like, you've been praying for us to keep increasing in numbers. And at that time, we had like 80 people coming out to service. Our Sunday swim had maybe 22 people. We used to meet in little preschool. It was like God saying, look, you're like little preschool kids. Learn how to pray. I'll, I'll take you up to another room when you get bigger. And some of them came up to me and said, well, I don't know if I want the church to get bigger. I like it like 80, 90. You know, it's like very family feel. I don't want to lose that. I want people in church to know my name. I want to know everybody. But, you know, church gets too big, you know, it, you know, it feels like I'm going to a movie theater. I'm going to a, a sports stadium, you know. You know, I, I don't like the mega church thing. So, you know, let's just, let's just keep it small. And I'm, people communicated that to me. And so I was like, okay, Lord, are you just calling us to just be like, you know, little little churches, like, you know, little family churches, you know? Is that what you're calling us to? The Lord said, no. He said, I'm calling you to blow up. I was like, what? I don't know if I'm ready for that. I was like, don't worry about it. But you are not to remain small. You are not to pray that. Even if I have will for you to stay there, I want you to pray with faith. Maintaining doesn't require much faith, but increase does. And so, and then people started handing me books. It's like, here, here. This is the latest and the greatest. Simple church model. Here you go. So I'm reading all these books. Organic church. uh, I forget what. um, George Barner has all these books about simple church movement. They're like, we got to take out all the religion, take out all the tradition out of church, and let's just meet in people's homes. And that's church. And then when somebody meets in another home and three people leave and they meet in another home with five more people, that's now a new church plan. And then they go over and then they start in somebody's home. And so the church is like, yeah, man, how many church plans do you do? Uh, We did one over the last two years. Well, we did 30 in the last year. Our church is better than yours. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. What's your church plans look like? And then they described to me, Well, we we started meeting in this living room, and now we're meeting in 30 more living rooms. Now, I'm not hating on that. I think that's a good model. And in certain cities, certain environments, I think that's the best model. But when you're in a mega metropolis, we need the strength of the mega church model. We need to stop looking down on it and despising it. You know, people, the loudest critics are usually the people that have churches of 50, 40 people. And they're like, megachurch, that's not God's will. And they just hate on it. And that's just ridiculous. You know why? Because on the day of Pentecost, the first church had 3,000 people and more. But what do you, how do you explain that? If God doesn't want megachurches, why do you convert so many people all at once? You know what I mean? And so I understand the concerns of having a megachurch. I visited Hillsong, you know. I heard of. I went to uh, Saddleback, you know. I heard about um, uh, Bill Hybels' church, and they they have their challenges. I understand that, but that does not mean that we throw it all out together. And what I've understood is God is just calling us to increase in number. How big, Lord? He says, don't ask me that. Just increase in number. That is my charge to you. And I believe that there are things that our church will be able to do because our church will be in the thousands. Get this in your head right now. New Philly, we're going to have congregations in the thousands. I'm scared that it might get into the tens of thousands. But, you know, I've met a man uh, from Singapore. Singapore. When I was in Australia, I met him. They even let me pray for him. They didn't even know me, but they let me get, get the mic and I pray for him. They're crazy like that. And uh, I pray for him. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, City Harvest. Uh, Pastor Kong, yeah. Pastor Kong He. Right? Typical Singaporean accent. Can't understand what he's saying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wonderful man, wonderful man. His church, they rent out convention centers every single week because they don't have a place big enough to hold everybody. Their church has like, I don't know, 15,000 a, a week in attendance. And the funny thing is, there's another church that I think meets either in the same building or a building right close to it. That's run by Pastor Joseph Prince. And that's even bigger than City Harvest. Singapore doesn't have any people. <laughs> And that little tiny island's got these huge megachurches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God, and God did it for Pastor Kong He in very limited amount of time. I mean, he was telling me his story. And I was like, wow, it's, it's very familiar to New Philly's story. Maybe God's going to do something similar to us. And then I started thinking about tens of thousands. I was like, man, that's crazy. Oh, that gives me a headache. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, but the Lord was just like, dream big. Dream big. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we'll get into tens of thousands, but all I'm saying is God is saying there'll be increase in number. You know, ever since those days when there were 80 people and people came up to me and they were like, don't make the church any bigger. Stop praying for that. You know, we have tripled since that time. Three years, we've tripled. Our combined attendance at Etang on the hillside, we have over 230, 240 people each week. Three little years. But here's the thing. We get in prophetic words that in the beginning, the increase is slow. But there's a, a Rick Warren talked about it through his testimony. It's a, there's like a bamboo tree. I think it's a Chinese bamboo tree. When you plant a, a Chinese bamboo tree, why are you laughing? <laughs> is there a Korean one that I don't know about? <laughs> you plant a Chinese bamboo tree, you work the soil, you, 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 you uh, water it and things like that. Rick Warren said for three or four years, I forget the time period, you don't see nothing. You don't see nothing. You get maybe like a little stub. But he said when you hit that fourth year, or third, whatever the time period is, third, fourth, it's a long time. Man, I don't, if if I planted a bamboo seed and nothing was happening after like one week, I'm like, this seed's dead. Give me another one. But you Do it for three, four years. And then on that fourth year, the bamboo tree grows so fast. In two months, it can grow to like six feet or something like that. And God kept giving me that analogy to different people. These first few years, God's laid down a strong foundation. Hey, man, our house is a great house. That's not my words. That's not a self-proclaimed thing. I'm not like macho man Randy Savage. You're like, yeah, I'm the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying our house is great. It's not a self-proclamation. Last week, two men of God came. And they didn't have to say it. But they came up on Friday fire. Pastor Benjamin said, this is a great house. This is an awesome house. On Sunday, Pastor Daniels took the mic. This is a great house. And we're part of something amazing here. We are part of a great house here. And God has laid down a strong structure, a strong foundation. And God is saying, it's time to increase the number. Get yourselves ready. And what I understood prophetically, Pastor Marcus gave me this crazy prophetic word. uh, And I didn't read it for a while. I finally got to read it this morning. Blew my mind because he described exactly what we went through this past month. Things that you guys don't know about and things that you do know about. But he was saying that these last few months of the year, it's a period of consecration. The reason why God brings us through consecration is when he brings a whole house into a season of consecration, it's usually to prepare us for something. And so, you know, my 40-day fast, it's a sign of that consecration that took place. And then I noticed everybody, I didn't tell people, hey, why don't you do a 40-day fast? And people just started doing fasts left and right. Long ones. Like brand new Christians. They're like, I've never fasted before. I'm like, how are you going to long and go fast? 10 days. You crazy. <laughs> You're a baby Christian. Just do 10 hours. <laughs> Take your little baby step." Now I going to do 10 days. And these little baby Christians in there, they done 10, 21 day fast. And it, make, it brings out this holy j- jealousy in the older Christians. <laughs> the more mature ones, they're like, man, that, baby, that guy, person got saved this year. If they can do 10 days, man, I could do 30 or something like that. You know, people are going crazy. So we had a period, and some people are still in it right now, of consecration. And then the consecration brings about a higher level of surrender. And then third, he's using a text. I won't quote it right now. God says, I will do wonders among you. He says, consecrate yourselves. Bring a greater level of surrender. Because I'm about to do wonders among you. As we close out this year, I'm telling you right now, God has been setting us up for increase. He's about to do great wonders among us. I'm sorry that I've gone way over my time. <laughs> Man, but it was a powerful service today. Oh, here, I got the rig Warren thing here. It says four or five years, nothing's happened. You water and fertilize, but in the natural, you see no visible evidence that anything is happening. But the fifth year changes things dramatically. In a six-week period, the tree grows to be a staggering 90 feet tall. Six weeks, 90 feet tall. I, that's crazy. Did I did I did I mistype that? Maybe it's nine feet. Yeah, it's probably be nine feet. Maybe God's like I I, I made you mistype it. I wanted you to say ninety feet. Huh? It is ninety. How, how does a tree grow in six weeks, 90 feet tall? That is a crazy tree. If you don't be careful, it'll stab you on its way up. Right, let's close in prayer. Let's close in prayer. God. God. As we shift our hearts around the prophetic word for this upcoming year. We choose not to put our focus on church growth. But upon continual intimacy with you, Lord. And God, we just sense that we don't even have to do anything special. We don't even have to do an evangelistic outreach, nothing like that. But as we continue to nurture our relationship with you, God. We believe everything is in place for you to bring in a great... Catch a fish. You said, you promised that if we follow you, you make us fishers of men. And we thank you that in this room, there are multitude of fishermen. And we thank you that as we let down our nets, we are at an hour where the nets are going to be so filled with fish. It's going to look like they're going to break, but they won't. Because we will have made our hearts ready for the increase. God, in all of this increase, our prayer is, may your glory increase in our lives. May your glory increase in this house. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.